The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra. My passion, calling, and job is really all about blending together holistic practices with real evidence-based science to help people around the world cultivate more optimism, success, and resiliency. You won't want to miss this new podcast as you'll get to hear from elite athletes, recording artists, couples, and maybe even my toddler. So if you're into arming yourself with some new practical happiness tools, join me on Mondays for your morning optimism dose. Oh, and don't forget, things are looking up. Hey, it's Mariana, and welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. In this episode, it's all about finding your passions, your purpose, the things that excite you. And I wanted to share a little bit of advice and things that have helped me. And then I want to also share little clips from a few different podcast episodes and guests who have come on because I think they all have really great perspectives on finding your passion or if things aren't going your way, what might help you. So if you find this episode motivating or inspiring or you're loving it, I would love if you could just share it with a friend or to your Instagram stories and let other people know about the podcast and give me a rating and review and be sure to subscribe if you're not already because I've got new episodes every Tuesday. First, I think I just want to talk about passions in the first place. And when it comes to passions, I don't think you have to have one. And if you don't have one, that's okay. It's okay to go through life and change the things that you love, the things that you enjoy, your hobbies, your passion, your purpose, whatever it is in life. If you don't feel like you have one, it's totally okay to not have one. And if you're finding a hard time finding what that might be in your life, it's okay if it takes time. I feel like through so many seasons of my life, the things I am passionate about and the things that I feel like fulfill me change. And another thing is just because something is your passion or you love something so much, it doesn't mean it has to be your job. So I love a lot of things. And if there was something I loved in my life and it became work, I might not enjoy it as much anymore. And I feel like there's so much pressure to turn your passions into your career and Yes, that's great if that works for you, but sometimes it's okay to just love something and enjoy it in your free time. And that's the thing that gives you purpose and passion in life is getting to do it on the nights and weekends or a few times a year. And I want to share about passions and how to find yours and some tips and kind of how I found my own. But I just want to let you know if you don't have a passion or a purpose or you feel like it's a hobby, but you can't monetize off of it. You don't need to monetize everything in your life. So it's okay to do it just for fun. I'll start by sharing my own career journey and the things I wanted to do when I grew up and kind of how that evolved into what my career is today. And so from a very young age, I really had a passion for sharing things that I loved with other people. And I had a passion for getting that content to people. And I didn't actually know that it was content at the time, but a story is that we had a camcorder at home when I was growing up and I would walk around the house and I would interview people. And I just loved this process. And then something else that I really loved growing up was entertainment news. And I used to read Perez Hilton and I would watch E! News every single day. I would watch MTV, TRL, and I wanted to be like a VJ when I grew up. Like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest job ever. And I always envisioned myself doing that. And You've heard me talk about her a million times, my love for Oprah and Oprah's favorite things. And I thought, why can't I have Mariana's favorite things and share the things that I love with other people and get to share stories and talk to people and interview them? And that was always what I wanted to do when I grew up. So fast forwarding in my career, I ended up 
doing that exactly. I was doing entertainment news and I found that I had this passion for doing something, but when it became my job, I didn't love it anymore. And I found that the actual process of interviewing celebrities, it just, I didn't feel good. It didn't feel great to talk about other people, to have to ask them questions I felt uncomfortable asking. And it was still a platform that I loved and I still loved speaking and interviewing and video content, but I didn't like the entertainment aspect. And that's when I switched to fashion and beauty news. So that's the first time in my adult life, in my career, where I felt like I had a a passion and something I loved, but when it became my job, it just wasn't for me. So when I say you can have a passion and you don't have to monetize that, that's what I mean. I feel like sometimes feeling like the things you love have to be your job. It takes the fun out of it and you no longer enjoy it. And from that experience, I really learned moving forward. Like I can have things that I love to do in my free time. And then I can have things that I want to do as a career. And I learned through each of those jobs, especially in my 20s, the things that I really liked to do for work and the things that fulfilled me and creating content, creating video content, sharing things that made people feel good was where I found my happiness. And so when I switched to fashion and beauty news, I was talking about an area where it's like, these things are meant to make you feel good and feel confident. So when I talk about hair or makeup or skincare or fashion, it's something that you put on yourself or you buy or you use or a routine that you try that just makes you feel better. And I loved that. But at the time I was doing fashion and beauty news, which isn't as exciting. And I was sharing news stories, whether it was about brands or fashion week. And through this process, I was also starting my YouTube channel at the same time. And that's really when I finally found my groove of like, this is what I want to do for a career. But this was long before becoming an influencer is what it is today. And brands weren't really working with influencers at the time like they are now. And it wasn't a career path that you could follow. And there wasn't a lot of people to look up to. The point of all this is there was a core of the things that I loved, which was sharing things with an audience. And that didn't change over those 10 years from, you know, when I was a teenager to my late 20s when I, you know, finally became an influencer full time. I always found the same things that I wanted to do, but the kind of avenues and the topics were different. But I knew at my core, I loved to share and create and inspire and motivate and make people feel good. And I wanted to do that through different types of platforms, which ended up turning out to be also a product line, which had that same core feeling. So that leads to the whole point of this episode. How do you find your passion? What can you find that you are passionate about and how can you either carve time for that in your personal life as a hobby or is it possible to make it a career and can you still enjoy doing it by making it your job? So all of that being said, I feel like sometimes it is really difficult to find what your passion or purpose is or how to figure out what that is. So there are a bunch of different guests I've had on the podcast who share about how they found their passion and purpose and things that they did. So let's hear from them now. Let's take a quick break from one of our sponsors. So I am so passionate about so many things in my life. One of the things I am most passionate about is creating products, making tangible goods and getting them to you guys. But if you are someone like me and you want to start a business or you already have one and you want to sell goods or products or something online that you need to ship, it is easier than you think. 
Well, maybe it's not easier than you think because it is a little bit complicated, but there is one way to make it a lot easier. So if you don't love logistics and order management, there is always ShipStation. So it's a part that a lot of us don't know a lot about, but they make it really easy to manage your orders, get your products out the door so you can get back to doing what you really love, which is growing your business and creating products. ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You can import orders from any sales channel, ship with any carrier using ShipStation's deeply discounted rates, and automate just about any shipping task. So there's no wonder over 100,000 online sellers use them. It's so easy for me to use because I'm always shipping out so many things all of the time. So no matter how you sell, whether it's Shopify, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation funnels all your orders into one simple interface so you can manage them from anywhere, even on your cell phone. So ship more in less time for a lot less money. Just use my offer code Mariana to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com and use the microphone at the top of the page and type in Mariana. That's ShipStation.com, enter code Mariana. Make ship happen. Now let's get back to the episode. So first we have Melissa Wood Tepperberg and she focuses on actively grounding yourself. She shares about the importance of intent, clearly visualizing your goals and manifestation. You mentioned earlier before you went to nutrition school that you didn't feel like you were living your passion. So how can someone really tap into finding their purpose? Found that weekend that I, the weekend I was talking about when I was still acting and modeling, when I, I took a weekend to myself. And it, it doesn't have to be a full weekend, but even just two days of, you know, taking a weekend, making no plans, but to be with yourself. And obviously times right now are a little different, but, you know, maybe taking a little break off, off social media and from television and all electronics, all, all electronics and just tapping into the, the things that make you really happy. It was so interesting because I had never gotten that clear with myself on the things that just made me really happy. And I think when you when you carve out a little space to quiet all of the noise and to um, do less, which is the hardest thing, right? That's the hardest thing for us to do is to be less productive. I think it allows that like inner voice to really speak loudly enough for you to hear maybe the truth or the, the reality of the things that you love that maybe you're afraid to do. And maybe it's like your fears get louder, but it it will open up so much space for this creativity to come through. And I mean, that's starting a meditation practice, like changed my entire life. I mean, I'm a completely different person because of this practice, because I was the girl who woke up and it was like, I had to work and I had to do this and I had to meet my friends for dinner. And, and I just, I never gave myself any space to like understand who I was as a person. I just lived life on autopilot. And like, that's really easy to do in New York in general. But I mean, I still, just so you know, it's like, I still do, like, I still have these moments where I'm like, okay, how did I feel today? Did I feel fulfilled? Or did I feel like a lot of, a lot of the days this year as well, I've been feeling like it's completely tapped out. How, like, what can I do to make it so that I'm still being, you know, going about my day, running my business, but not feeling like completely exhausted at the end of the day. And that for me is like, maybe not doing that one Zoom call and moving it to a day that I don't have anything. So it's a lot of things, but I think 
when you break it down in such a digestible way and just like bring that pen to the paper, things can really, really change. And for the business of wellness, there are aspiring trainers who either want to start an app. What's been really helpful for you in growing that? Because it is difficult to gain new people, especially if people don't have a large social following yet. It is. It's so funny you just asked me this because today I was like, I want to share a post for all creators and teachers in the space who are kind of forced into this digital world now, right? Because I started digital. I started, I didn't start teaching in person. Um, I Everything I did was online. So, you know, I would say to anyone out there who's in this position is, is first of all, maybe <laughs> you can mute me too well, where, I go, where I'm going with this. Mute the people who kind of make you feel you're not doing it or, or maybe that you're intimidated by or that you're feeling threatened by because I think that is one thing that can really stand in your way. There's a lot of competition in the space and if you can strip that away and focus on what makes you different, what you bring to the table. And I mean, I started in my living room with a $24 tripod. I had no sound. I had no lighting. So I think that does go to show that it's not just about the production and things being beautiful and seamless. It's people want to connect with humans and they want to connect with people who inspire them and motivate them. But you know, get them a great workout or meditation or whatever it is that you share. And I think just really bringing to light who you are. So authentically just being yourself, not trying to be like someone else or do things the way someone's doing it, because that never works. It never really works. If you think about it, like even people I'm inspired by, if I try to do something the way they're doing it, it will never read because that's theirs. And I have to find my own way. And I, I, I think kind of, you know, I stepped in when digital wasn't the biggest of things really. And it allowed me to really see that. Like, I do think it's possible for everyone if you want it, but you also, you have to be really consistent just as you are with, you know, your own practice and sharing your work and kind of come up with a system that works for you. Like, you know, for me every Monday and now I introduce every Friday, I share a newsletter. But maybe for you, it's every Wednesday. And I think however it is, you know, a system that works for you and for for your members and your audience so that they, people like to know what's to come. I'm so grateful for the sponsors of this podcast because I feel like there are so many great things to add to your life and Skillshare is one of them. Every human was born to create. So whether you picked up a paintbrush yesterday or is in grade school, you can really explore your creativity and be so inspired. If you don't know what it is, Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. There is so much to explore. There's real projects to create and you've got the support of fellow creatives and Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. There are so many great classes to try from illustration, graphic design, photography, film and video, which is all really great if you are someone who has a business who sells stuff online through social media or you're an aspiring influencer. If you are an influencer and you really want to step up your skills, there's a great class called Video for Instagram. Tell an engaging story in less than a minute. Or if you're starting a YouTube channel, try the YouTube success script, shoot and edit videos with Marcus Brownlee. And if you're still just trying to figure out what exactly your passions are, try the Finding Fulfillment using Pivots to Power Your Creative Career with Emma Gannon. 
So experience real improvement with hands-on projects and classes designed for real life. And you'll really be able to discover classes for every skill level, no matter if you're a hobbyist or a master. And on top of that, Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash life and get a one month free trial premium membership. That's one month of a premium membership at Skillshare.com slash life. Next, we have Melody Asani. She is Foot Locker's first female creative director and founder and designer of her own brand, Melody Asani. Melody shares all about finding your passion and how to deal with negativity. I want to go back to like the beginning. So I know you're from LA. You have a traditional Persian family. And you had an untraditional, or you had a traditional route of wanting to go, you know, law school, but ultimately it wasn't for you. So where did you find that courage to go out and do your own thing? Oh man, I don't know where I found it. Well, I guess, uh, so I had, I had gone to college and then I had dropped out of law school and it was really because I had done a series of internships before I actually started law school. And I was left so disenchanted by the end of it. I mean, I I started off really feeling like I was going to go in and I was going to find my passion and this was going to be my thing. And I was completely wrong. I felt like the practice of law and the study of it were completely different. And when it came to the practice of it, regardless of what side of the law I went to, whether it was personal or social justice work or nonprofit or uh, I just really, none of it resonated with me. So I got depressed for a really long time before I could figure out what my thing was. And I think as soon as I figured out what it was that I actually wanted to do, that was when the courage came. And I think for you, and especially your upbringing and your background, there is a lot of pressure from people with their family or their culture to follow a certain path. What advice do you have to give to young women who do want to go kind of against what their family thinks that their life should become? I think it's so important to figure out why you're here and who you're living for. I think that there was some point where I really had to ask myself, is my life going to be for my mom? Or is it going to be my own? And when I really took inventory of the things that I wanted to do and how I wanted to be remembered when I left here or how I wanted to serve humanity, it, it just didn't really align with the things that were projected onto me growing up. So when or why or how did you change into this career in fashion and where did it start? It really started because I started, I think it started with my quest inward where I tried to figure out what was I good at and what did I what could I do every day for the rest of my life like what would I wake up and be sustained by or have a greater purpose for and I didn't I realized that I didn't really have a lot of mirroring growing up for that I instead had a lot of projection which is normal a lot of us grow up with that where our parents want us to be something and they want the best for us, but it's not always aligned with who we actually are, what we're actually good at. So when I kind of started peeling off the layers and figuring out what it was that I was always passionate about, I started to ask myself different questions and I realized that I was really good with products and I really enjoyed product design and 
fashion was sort of the easiest place to start with it all. If I could have had it my way, I would have started at Apple and I would be designing phones alongside Steve Jobs or I would be designing vacuums or packaging for a makeup company. I mean, I was really drawn more so towards uh, the more innovative side of product design. I grew up racing cars in high school and I loved cars. I still love cars. So I wanted to design a car. Um, But that was really challenging not having any kind of experience. And I had already finished college, so I didn't want to go back to school for product design. And so the route that I took was just learning as many technical skills that I could and figuring out what the easiest starting place would be. And it ended up being fashion. In terms of, I don't know, I think maybe your business is so different from others. And I feel like positioning yourself amongst those brands, you really, really stand out. And like every time I drive down Fairfax, there's a long line outside of all of the stores. And so do you think of either your product drops or exclusives or limited runs of things being, you know, inspired by or anything that you found that was inspiring from the other brands close to you? I'm inspired by them in different ways. I think it's always, it's always really interesting to see how other people run their their brands. It was funny, actually, we started doing a speaker series because I was really interested in not just having the store be a place of commerce, but really community-based. And so uh, one of the first things that I did was start a speaker series every month where we would have different people come in and share inspiring or whatever, just having real conversations and bringing like-minded people together and highlighting people that really inspired me, like Dr. Joy DeGruy or Lovey, who uh, actually just put her book out today, or Jenea Khan or Patrice Cullors. So we had all these incredible speakers that would come every month and bring information. And every time we had a speaker series, we would have a line out the door. There would be you know, over 100 people outside the door because we could only fit 100 people in the store. And all this other guys from the other stores would be texting me like, yo, Mel, it's so crazy. What are you dropping tonight? (laughs) And I'd always be like, knowledge, guys, we're dropping knowledge. Um, So it was kind of cool because we kind of created our own footprint there where it wasn't necessarily just about the product, but it was also about community and bringing something different to to the space. Uh, so we've always sort of tried to stay in our own lane in that way and uh, maybe introduce other concepts that maybe other brands would be inspired by. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing pictures from it and I'm one of the people that came to your store a long time ago and I took a picture on the wall with the neon wings and I feel yeah, like you sweet. were creating these moments before they were even like these photographic moments of driving people into store, whether it was, you know, to take a picture or to listen to a speaker or to buy a product. Um, so how do you think about, you know, in a post COVID world, driving people back into physical retail spaces? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I feel like people. I mean, I personally still crave wanting to go into physical spaces, but I think spaces really need to be about how it makes somebody feel. So it's not, again, it's not just about the product and it's never really been just about the product for me, but really about creating community and and finding like-minded people. There's a reason why you support certain brands. It's because 
they make you feel a certain way. And I think that those spaces should be reflective of that. So I have to tell you guys about some products from one of our amazing sponsors. You've heard me talk about them before, and that is Array. Their brand is amazing, and they were on a podcast in a previous episode. If you haven't heard theirs yet, it's a really great one to hear. But Array was really created to help women feel their best so they can be their best. And they did that through targeted products, which are 100% natural, filler-free, organic, and formulated by a naturopathic doctor. There are two different products, the Bloat and Calm supplements, and they both work in under an hour so you can actually feel the results. The reason why they released these two products specifically is because they felt like a lot of their friends were having both of these problems. And it's really this endless cycle of if you're feeling anxious, then you start bloating and your body goes into fight or flight mode and that causes digestion to slow down. And on the flip side, feeling digestive discomfort causes a lot of anxiety. So their products work holistically to target both issues. Their bloat capsules are so versatile because you can really take them anytime. Sometimes I've just had a lot of vegetables or cauliflower that make me feel bloated or something heavier like a really yummy dinner. So it just optimizes digestion with the use of five herbs and fruit-based digestive enzymes, and it's completely laxative-free. And you guys are always asking me for a promo code to try Array because I talk about it so much because I really love them. So you can go to Array.com, that's A-R-R-A-E.com and use the code Mariana at checkout for $5 off. That's A-R-R-A-E.com and use the code Mariana for $5 off at checkout for the Blow and the Calm supplements. I hope you love them as much as I do. And now let's get back to the episode. Now Jen Atkin is going to share her life advice on taking risks and loving what you do. If someone's not happy in their job right now, because I think this year people are like, they're realizing things, you know, like they're really thinking about what they want to do. What advice do you have for somebody who's truly unhappy in their job if it's not something they want to do long-term? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I don't want to encourage people to make any like harsh or rash decisions. I think you want to definitely like take your time and think about your next steps, especially if you don't have like a big savings account. But I definitely feel like it's important for you to not be miserable at work, you know, because I I just know too many people that from being a hairstylist, you know, I've seen and heard it all. And I have clients who had come in for like six years and complained about their job. And I think that, you know, at times, like the scariest thing is change. And I think that like, when I went through the book and I was writing it, like I noticed that the moments that I actually like took a leap of faith and the moments that were scary and I just made a move were the times that like I started to really see major change in my life and got to like do the things that I really wanted to do and like make my dreams come true. And, you know, it's the same in personal like relationships. I think when people aren't happy in a relationship, you know, I always tell my clients, I'm like, it's one weekend, you know, it's a hard conversation. It's one weekend. It's hiring a mover. You're going to be fine. I also know that I had to put in the work to get to where I am, but I definitely am just really excited for the future. I love all of that because I think that this year was like, okay, I can't even imagine going back to like how life was before 2020. Like everyone says like, oh, I can't wait for it to go back to normal. And I'm like, maybe it doesn't need to go back to normal. Maybe we're all just changing and adjusting. And I feel like that's what I learned this year. Like a lot of those things I thought were necessary, maybe they're not. And I think I just had career FOMO. And I felt like I was missing out on opportunities and I had to say yes to stuff. And looking back, I'm like, did I really need to do that thing? You know, we were caught up in this like feminist movement and it's really exciting and it's amazing. And I also think that there were times where I felt ungrateful if I didn't say yes. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it really is. There's another chapter in the book called Balance is Bullshit, where I kind of break down, you know, what I was trying to achieve. And now 
kind of the healthy habits that I have and, and how much better I feel, you know, and I'm not doing all the things I used to do, but I do feel so much better now. And I think it's important too, to really like, especially during hard times to really like hone in on what you do have control over, because this year taught us like you cannot plan everything. And the unknown is so scary. And I think like, it's really important. And you're really good at promoting this too, Mariana. Your Instagram account is literally goals for everybody. (laughs) And I think like, you know, you're really, you and I both are very like practical. And like, I think we're like-minded in that way. And you do such a great job of like teaching people good, healthy habits. And it really does make a difference if you hold yourself accountable and start just making small changes every day. Lastly, we're going to hear from Tinks, and she's sharing her story on her previous work experience and what got her into finding her passion, which ended up being TikTok. What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh my gosh, I went through so many phases. And I think it's okay to not know exactly what you want to do. Um, And something that I found really helpful very early on in in my 20s, we had a class at Stanford called Designing Your Life. And the professor said, you know, it's okay if you don't know what you want to do, it's okay. If, you know, people are always saying, follow your passion, follow your passion. And it can feel stressful if you don't know what exactly that is. So he said, instead, follow your curiosity. And that is kind of, I mean, this was a, I've gone off on a tangent here. I actually wanted to be a hairdresser when I, when I was like a five-year-old, but my point is I had a lot of different, I want to be this, I want to be that, but I always just followed my curiosity. And now I'm a 30-year-old TikToker. So it's funny how life works. Okay. So you say you're a TikToker, but I know that you do so many more things. So how do you explain what you do for a living now or what exactly are you doing or what is your job? So as of January 1st, I'm a full-time content creator and writer. I think my background is in writing. That's what I went to school for. And before this era of my career, I was a writer and editor um, and I've always loved writing, but I also create a lot of content now. And, you know, sometimes I just say TikToker because it's easier and, and shorter. And it's just kind of like, yeah, that's summed up what what I do day to day. But um, it is so much more than that. And there are d- many different facets to my career. And I'm excited because I feel like it's just the beginning of this new chapter. So I, I refer to myself as a TikToker lovingly because I think it's funny. And people um, often think of TikTokers as, you know, very talented dancing teenagers, which there are many of them, but um, I just, I think it's kind of funny because I, I don't fit the mold of the typical TikToker. So social and TikTok is like where I found you, but like, what were you doing pre-TikTok? Like what was your beginning of social looking like for you? So I, when I, I was in grad school in New York for two years, and while I was in grad school, I was writing and editing. So for magazines like Gotham, Hamptons, Teen Vogue, written a lot for Pop Sugar, which was amazing and fun. So definitely in the content creation realm. And then as I started to cover more, um, I started to cover a lot of new brands and founders because I just think that they're so interesting. And I was so impressed with my generation kind of taking products and problems and solving them and making them better. And so through that, through covering a lot of these brands and interviewing a lot of these founders, I really kind of got to know the ropes. So then I started consulting for these brands on content, which was a really cool way to marry my my interests together. And that then I moved to LA, was consulting for brands, still writing, and then COVID hit. And obviously none of the brands needed help and no one really wanted articles, especially not the type of articles that I was writing, which are like fun, um, lighthearted pieces. And that's when I found TikTok and that, and I never thought, oh, maybe I'll be like 
camera facing. Like I always felt like I was super identified as a writer, like behind the scenes. And then I was like, I have nothing to lose. And I'm going honestly nuts. I might as well just try this because I'm enjoying TikTok so much. And it all kind of um, happened from there. When you started on TikTok, did you have a plan or what was the thought process behind creating content or were you just, there was no thought process? So in the very beginning, there wasn't really a thought process. But then as soon as I realized how much I liked it, I thought, okay, TikTok is incredible. It's an incredible platform, but there is a little bit of white space in terms of the content that I want to see. And so some, a piece of advice that I always tell people when they're like, I can't like find my niche or I want to start content creating. I say, create the content that you want to see. And and that might seem like, oh no, that's too specific. It's what you want to see. But if you want to see it, trust me, other people want to see it. So for me, I was like, wow, there's so much fun comedy on here and there's so much fun dancing, but I don't see a lot of like celebrity gossip. I don't see a lot of um, social commentary. I don't see a lot of silly starter packs. And so that's what I start. That was kind of my, my loose strategy. I just sort of started making content that I wanted and I leveraged my, um, you know, my journalism background. And I, I kind of viewed it as a journalistic challenge, right? Because you have one minute to get a story across. You have one minute to make people laugh or persuade them of something or get your point across. And so it was like a, a fun little challenge that I, that I created for myself. I love that you, you speak about that because it really is like taking all of the experience that you had before and putting into the job that you have now, because I think when you see it, it, it looks so effortless when you're posting it. So what was the moment that it took off for you or where did it turn from a hobby to a job? Oh gosh, I, you know, I, I it started to gain steam pretty quickly. And I, you know, I was on a walk with a friend in I think August and I just posted my first vlog. And the reason that i I, you know, I have many different formats that I do on TikTok, but I just am a deeply nostalgic person. So I thought, oh, it would be fun to remember this, you know, crazy time in the world. I'll vlog. And I I got this feeling and, and I was just explaining to my friend, oh my gosh, I love this so much. And he said, if I gave you a billion dollars, would you still make TikToks? Would you still make videos? And I was like, I, I would want to do this every day for the rest of my life. And then he was like, okay, you have to you have to work hard and make this your full-time job. And I hadn't even considered it at that point because it was like, you know, only two months into it. I was like, this is just a fun hobby for me. This is, you know, while COVID's going on and then, it, you know, something clicked. I was like, you're absolutely right. This is, this is what I want to do. So more practically than the steps I took to become full-time content, I wrote a list of what I would need in order to make that shift, to let go of my other clients, to stop um, freelance writing for as a source of income. I wrote this list of like super, it could be really small things like get a manager, figure out like a budget, like figure out what, what equipment I need, like a really exhaustive list. And then I set a timeline and, and my goal was, I told my friends, I was like, okay, you know, within a year, I wish I could be full-time content, but my secret goal was January 1st. And that's, and that's what I did. So I, I just, I really find sometimes if you're working towards a big goal, writing a really specific detailed mini list of goals under it can be a great starting point because then you can cross them off. Like one goal can be as small as I need a tripod and a ring light. And then that's your project for one day. So it feels way less daunting and it feels like there's many chunks that you can break off to work towards your bigger goal. And then one of the other things that I love about you is that you're pretty honest. You're really open, even on the days you're not feeling great or you're anxious or upset. Was it hard for you to be that open and vulnerable online? 
You know, I think if I had started this earlier in my life, it would have been difficult, but I'm 30 now. I turned 30 in September and it was a real turning point for me. I don't even know exactly how to talk about it because I sound a little bit woo woo, but it was like right around my 30th birthday. I just stopped caring so much. And it was this wonderful, magical feeling where I was like, I can do and say whatever I want. And it doesn't matter. I I can detach from the outcome and I can just be honest. And, and that's cool. Now that's really, that's what I find cool and inspiring. So yeah, I, I don't know if everybody will have the same experience, but for me, my, my twenties were a time of high highs and low lows. And, and when I hit 30, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I'm supposed to be honest so that I can help other people specifically. I hope to help other women and girls who are younger than me be honest and be vulnerable and and be their true selves and and realize the power that that can harness. My 30s are way better than my 20s. Like I feel like yeah. and then within my 30s I feel like each year just keeps getting better and better. And so do you have any advice for women in their 20s? I know it's like it was such a difficult time for all of us. I don't know anyone who was like my 20s are perfect. I know it's so funny because I feel like your 20s are so mismarketed. Like, at, you know, when you're younger, people are like, oh, your 20s are so crazy and wild. And I, I think my advice would be take the pressure off of yourself to have this, take the pressure off of yourself full stop in your 20s. You don't need to feel pressure to get married, to start your own company, to be making a million dollars a year. Just remove the pressure because it is a decade of discovery and and growth and and if you don't have it figured out that is okay and i wish that more people had been like hey it's totally fine that you're not married with three kids living in the suburb tanks and that you instead have moved like 49 times all across america and had 16 different jobs like it's it's fine it's going to work out um and the other thing that i say all the time is comparison is the thief of joy which is related to what i just said but seriously, this is the best advice I can give you in your twenties. Stop comparing. It just, it robs you of your joy and it's, it's a waste of energy. That might be the best thing I've heard that your twenties are mismarketed because I feel like yeah. that's so accurate. Like you think it's supposed to be one thing, but really in my twenties, it was like every year I had a new job. I was trying to figure it out. I was like broke. I thought I was supposed to do all these things. Cause I think growing up, you're like, okay, when I'm 30, I'm supposed to be married. I'm supposed to have kids and all these things. And then I got, kept getting closer. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not anywhere near ready to have kids. I'm not anywhere near ready to do these things. And I'm still not. And I'm in my mid thirties now. Totally. And it's, it's just, I want to know who, you know, your twenties have an amazing publicist because I thought it was going to be this like fabulous decade. And instead I was like, as you said, broke and like totally having a new job every year and just feeling so lost. And now that I'm 30, I just feel like I can breathe. I feel more more like myself than I ever have. I feel more comfortable with myself. I feel more grounded, sexier. It's just it's actually been a really amazing transformational year. So I'd say just just, you know, keep your eyes wide open in your 20s, work hard, be nice to people, but truly don't compare yourself to anybody and don't worry because um, you still have so much time to figure it out. That 
is it on this episode all about finding your passion. I hope that this helped you in some way and got you a little bit more clarity on finding your passions, your purpose, and finding you something that brings you joy in your life. If you love this podcast, be sure to leave me a rating and review. And if you're not yet, be sure to subscribe to my podcast because I've got new episodes every Tuesday and I'll see you guys next time.